What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining with us today. Can you guys help me welcome everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Come on, let's give it up for them. We love you guys. We're so glad to have you joining with us live here in Parkland. And uh, I'm excited for what God is going to do this season in uh, our legacy series that we do every single year. And I've got good news. And actually, I've got great news for you. Next weekend, we have a huge, huge treat. One of my mentors in life uh, for a long time from a distance through his books and through back in the day, his Enjoy Tape Club uh, is going to be with us next weekend. His name is Dr. John Maxwell. He's a New York Times uh, best-selling author, was a pastor for 25 years. Uh, he's 76 years old. He's doing incredible things throughout the world. And he said, you know what, TJ, I want to come and I want to share at your church. And uh, it's going to be incredible. So next weekend, please don't come to this service time. That's what I'm asking. If you, if you look around, it's pretty full. We, we have a 6.15, we, we have a 9 a.m., and we have a 12.45 that you're allowed to come to. Uh, these other services, like, please don't pack. Like, we don't have room this weekend. There's people out in the foyer sitting there watching services. So, so I don't know if that, the people are happy about that. I don't know if that's good or bad, but... Uh, so help us out, Parkland. I know, I, know, I know we can be selfish at times, but please try another service time besides 10, 15, and 1130, and, and help us make room for people that, that want to come to church. It's an important thing. We'll be in a building here soon, and we'll, we won't have this problem. Okay. Uh, so, so next weekend. This weekend, we are beginning a brand new series called Legacy, and it's a series that we do every year as a church, and we talk about our faith our family, and our future. And I think it's important that we talk about these subjects. And with our legacy series, we are always preparing for the one time a year that we actually take up an offering in our church. We do that on December 3rd and 4th this year, our legacy offering, which is above and beyond our regular giving, that we believe God to do immeasurably more because we want to push the vision forward faster. And this year, we're believing God for $3 million in that offering. And I believe that God is going to do it. We have some incredible opportunities right in front of us that we want to be able to take advantage of as a church. So here's what I'm asking of you, whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here in Parkland or watching online, is that you would pray right now, you begin to pray and go, God, how would you want me and my family to be involved in our legacy offering above and beyond what we normally give so that we can continue to expand the kingdom of God in greater measure here in South Florida? And I believe that God will do immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. Us. He needs to work through us for that to happen. So it's a big deal. This weekend, everybody say this weekend. I want to teach us how to live a legacy life. I want to teach us how to live a life that outlives us. Because here's what I know about every single one of us. Number one, every single one of us is destined to die. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm just informing you in case you didn't know. Some of y'all are living like you think you're going to live forever. But I want you to know that all of us is destined to die. And so at the end of the, your life, you are going to be remembered. The question is, is what are you going to be remembered by? What are you going to be remembered by? And, and I get it. Maybe you're in your 20s or your 30s and, and you're not really thinking about the end of your life. But I think it's important that we begin to think about that. As a pastor, I have been a part of way too many funerals where people, because the person didn't do anything with their life, you go, tell me about their life. They go, they were a nice person. 
They love their family. You know what that tells me? They didn't do anything. In fact, it probably tells me they didn't love their family and they weren't very nice. And here is the goal for all of our lives. Don't make your pastor lie at your funeral for you. It's a big deal. So, so what is living a life with legacy where your life actually outlives you? What does that look like? How do we actually create that in our life? And I wanna give you one phrase, one principle, one idea that I think that if, if you will take it and you will apply it to your life, it will change everything about your, your life. It'll change everything in your marriage. It will make your relationships better. It will make your career better. It will make your parenting better better. It will actually make your children better. It will make your finances better. It makes everything better in life. And the way you live in totality with this changes everything because it not only affects you, but it impacts everybody around you. Like I've hyped it up pretty big right now, haven't I? And so I want to give you this one thing, and it's a principle for your life, and if you'll write it down to your worship, God, I believe it will impact you. Here's the one principle that if you apply, I believe will help you create a life of legacy, and that is simply putting God first in your life. Very simple. Simple, but difficult. Putting God first first in your life. In other words, making sure that God is number one in every single aspect of your life because he wants to be in the first place of all of your life. And when he's in the first place of your life, it, it affects how you operate in your marriage. It affects how you steward your finances. It affects how you parent your children. It affects how you treat people on I-95 when they cut you off. It, it, it affects every aspect of your life. And God wants to be number one. So my question for you today is, is, is God first in your life? And I want to get your attention here because order matters. It matters. It really, really matters for your life. If you don't believe me, get married and get the order of things out of order and you'll find out how quickly it matters. Like, let me just give you a hypothetical situation. Let's just say that there is a person that has been out there that over the last couple of weeks, they, they were traveling, they were speaking at some conferences, they spoke at some other churches and, and, and they've been gone. They were out in California last week. They just got back into town. In fact, they've been traveling so much, there's still bags packed at the front door of their house because they haven't even put their stuff away. And then they're friend calls them and says, hey, do you want to play golf on Sunday afternoon at 3.37 with me and my boys? And you and, and, and this person, hypothetically, uh, turns to their wife and goes, do you think, do you, would you care if, <laughs> hypothetically, would you care if I went and played golf on Sunday afternoon after I've been gone for the last two weeks, and how many of you know she responds back, that's fine. <laughs> now, I've been married for a little bit. I've been married for 22 years, and I have learned in all of my years of marriage that that's fine doesn't actually mean that's fine. <laughs> if you're a newlywed, you need to write that down. That's fine does not mean that's fine. It'll help your future marriage. And because she says that's fine, you decide 
this afternoon that you're going to go play golf with that guy. How, how many of you guys know that, that your pastor is going to be sleeping on the couch tonight, right? Priority. Why? Because priority got out of order. Why? Because order matters in life, it matters in our marriage, it matters in our finances, it matters in our career. And when we get out of order, it messes everything else up. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, listen, you, you gotta do the first thing. And like, what's interesting about the word first is it doesn't matter what language you put it in, whether it's English or Spanish or, or Aramaic or Portuguese or Hebrew first means first like it means number one it says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then what happens when you put him first it says all these things will be added unto you and a lot of people think that like all the things are bad things the boat the career the hobbies the the, the job all those things aren't bad but it's making sure that they're in the right order in your life. Because here's what the world tells you. If I could have my people come up for an illustration. The world tells you, what they say is you, uh, chase after your dreams. That's what the world is, is constantly telling us. You know what? Just chase after your dreams. That's all you have to do is, is chase after your dreams. And, and everything else in life will be great. It's like the Disney theology of like, just do whatever you want to do and it's going to end up great. And so what happens is, is a lot of us, we are chasing our dreams and, and Jennifer right here is gonna represent you and, he's, and she's gonna represent me. And, and here's what happens in life because Jennifer has been told all of her life, chase your dreams, chase your dreams. So Jennifer decides, you know what? This year I'm gonna get healthy and so go, go run it. She's running after health and she's going to the gym every day and she's working out, she's exercising, she's getting buff and in shape because she's chasing after her dream but after a while, she realizes, you know what? I've been getting healthy, but I've totally neglected my family. So what she do? She runs over and she starts spending time with her family. She's like, I got to invest in my family. Every Friday night, she's with her parents and eating pizza. And now her health is going down in the toilet and because she's pursuing her dream. Like, do you do you? And, and after a while, she realizes, well, you know what? I haven't had much of, of, of my golf lately. And so I'm going to run over to my hobbies and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on my golf game. She, Jennifer, show us your golf swing she needs a lot of work guys a lot of work so she's gonna spend a lot of time there impacting that that golf game and, and she's working on her hobbies and, and and she realizes she realizes you know what I haven't been to church in forever I should probably go to church and so she runs over to church she's She's getting engaged, she's worshiping, she's serving, she's doing all those things. And then she's like, oh my gosh, I haven't been to work in three months. I probably should focus on that. And she runs over there and she starts get, doing her job. And as she's doing her job, she's like, oh my goodness, I feel terrible, my mental health is bad. I should get healthy again. And she runs back to her health. And what ends up happening, she's running from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And for a lot of you guys today, that's exactly what you're doing in your life as well. And here's what you are. You are 100% exhausted. Because you've been chasing after the dream. Sounds so spiritual. Chase your dreams. Think a whole new world. You know, like you're just like, you're like Aladdining it. The problem is, is that isn't what God says. 
See, man says chase after your dream, but check out what God says. God says chase after me and watch me fulfill your dreams. Seek first the kingdom of God, chase after me. And all these things will be added unto you. So, so what needs to happen is, is Jennifer needs to decide, you know what, here's God and here's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to begin to chase after God. And as I chase after God, all of a sudden as I chase after God, all of a sudden my family relationships are going to get better. And as I chase after God, my hobbies, I'm going to have time to do those. They're going to improve. And as I chase after God, what's going to happen is, is my health is going to begin to get better. And as I chase after God, all of a sudden my career is going to start to come in alignment because I've got the priority of things in the right order and when I seek first the kingdom of God, everything else gets added unto me. Thank you guys so much. You guys did a great job. Come on, give it up for them. That's what happens when you live a God first life. And God actually takes this super seriously. That's why back in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20 verses one through three, it says, then God gave the people these instructions. I am the Lord, your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt and the place of your slavery. Listen, you didn't rescue yourself from slavery, God did. It's by his grace that you've been saved. It's by his grace that you've been set free. It's because of him that you have freedom and life. And he says, you must have no other God but me. He's saying, don't put your hobby in front of me. Don't put your career in front of me. Listen, don't even put your family in front of me. He's saying, put me first. And when I'm first in your life, you'll see something begin to transpire in your life that we see all throughout Scripture. And it's simply this, that blessing follows order. So when you get the order correct in your life, God's blessing begins to flow to you. And so if you don't feel blessed here today, if you don't feel like you are living out of abundance here today, if you don't feel like God is moving in your life, here's the reason. It's probably because God is in first in your life. See, God is all powerful and he can do anything he wants to do except for one thing. The only thing that God cannot be in life is second. It's called the supremacy of Christ. He is so big, he is so powerful that the only thing that he can't be is number two. So that means literally he only operates in scenarios where he is in first place because when he's in first place, he has his authority over all the other places. But the moment we put God in second place or fifth place or 53rd place in our life, he cannot be involved because he, he, has, he doesn't have the authority to do things where he has not been given authority. And so we have to learn how to live a God first life. And so I want to teach us today three simple principles in three areas of our life that I think that if we apply them, we'll begin to put a God first life as a foundation for us so we can have him in the number one position. They all start with T. The first one is this. It starts with our time. Your time matters because we all have the same amount of time, but yet we all spend our time differently. Like here is why we spend our time differently because we all prioritize things differently. And so you can say that God is important in your time, but the question is, is how much time are you spending with God? Like how much time are you spending on Netflix? How much time are you spending on your phone? How much time are you spending with friends? See, time is the most valuable asset you have because you have a limited amount of it and you never know when it's gonna end. So it's important and crucial 
that we recognize how we spend our time because our time is an indicator of who is number one in our life. So when we spend time with God, what we're telling God is, God, you're first in my life. That's why Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, it says, teach us to number our days. He's saying, listen, your time has got to be an important thing. You can't just live by happenstance. You have to live intentionally with your time. You got to be diligent in your time. And when you learn to number your days, here's what happens. You'll gain a heart of wisdom. Like we're going to learn how to live this life where we're going to figure out where is God in my time. And, and so I've heard so many people say, like, you should have a schedule. Like, and, and a lot of you guys are scheduled people. Where are my scheduled people at? Come on, show your hands. You're, you live by a schedule. Like, you're so scheduled, you put time in your schedule to make your schedule. Come on, where are you at? It's like, you love, like, you're, you're like scheduled out to the max. And, and, and so here's what's more important than your schedule. More important than prioritizing your schedule is scheduling your priorities. And I think a lot of people prioritize their schedule, but they don't necessarily put their priorities in their schedule. And, and, and so what you end up having is you have a packed schedule full of stuff that isn't the important stuff. So I, like there are certain things in my week that are always the same. They're priorities for me. Every Saturday morning, Shayla and I have a date morning at a breakfast spot every, every Saturday. This weekend, my parents were in town. They cooked us breakfast. It's a rarity. But almost every Saturday between 8 and 8.30, you can find us at the same spot, same place, eating breakfast, spending quality time together. It's a date breakfast for us that we know is always on our schedule. Why? Because it's a priority in our life. Uh, every, all throughout the week, there are chunks of time that are carved out in my schedule to spend time with God and to study so I can know him better, so I can actually give you something good every single week that you come to church. Why? Because God is a priority in my schedule. And my question for you is this, is where is God in your schedule? Where is he in your time? And, I, and I'm going to show you how to put him more in your schedule in January when we do our 21 days of prayer and fasting. But I want to show you one way practically today that is totally opposite of what you've been told and taught all your life. And it's the calendar week that, that all of us see. And, and here's what we have. We have Monday. And everybody hates Monday because Monday means you're going back to the grind and you make it through Tuesday. And then Wednesday, what, what's Wednesday called? Hump day, right? Like we all remember the, the camel commercial. It's Wednesday. You get you you survive Thursday. Then Friday, you're like, man, you're watching the clock because you're like, is it time for the weekend yet? Because as soon as the weekend hits, it's like, man, party on. Then Saturday comes and you're living it up. And then you're excited about Sunday. And because you guys are really wise, you prioritize church in your life and you come to church and you worship. But the entire time that you're here, you're thinking, man, I wish I could have gone out on the boat today. I wish I, I, I should have slept in a little bit more. Like you have all these things because you're dreading that Monday is about to come and the week is about to start all over again. And none of us want the week to start. And that isn't how God wants us to live. So the church decided 2,000 years ago because Christ rose on a Sunday, they thought, you know what, it would be a good idea to, to 
put to worship God on a Sunday, like in the Jewish calendar, their Sabbath was actually a Saturday. So their day of rest was Saturday. And the Bible tells us to work six days, like God worked six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And they thought, well, because God rose, Jesus rose on Sunday, we should put church on Sunday. And so what they did is they flipped the script on the calendar and they actually made Sunday the first day of the week. And the reason they made Sunday the first day of the week is because they said, we want to be a God first people. So the very first thing we want to do is we want to gather together and worship God and put him in the right place when it comes to our time. And some of us, we need to realize, man, God wants to be first in our schedule. And it starts with the first aspect of our week. Here's a practical application. Make church a non-negotiable. Make it a non-negotiable for your life. Because you're saying, it's a big deal for me. To start my week putting God in his rightful place and worshiping him. He's going to be first and he's going to be first in my time. So parents, what that means is is don't give in to the pressure that, man, Timmy's t-ball is so important on Sunday morning. Or the soccer game or the basketball game or whatever sport it is. Because here's what you're teaching your children. You're teaching them that their, their career in sports, which is going to last 12 years, is more important than their relationship with God. It's going to last their lifetime. Come on, that should be convicting to some parents here. Because we've made children's sports, which is great. I'm all for your kid being an athlete. But you live in Parkland. There's like three that came out of here and were professionals, Okay. Money doesn't buy success when it comes to sports. Getting off some toes right now. Make him first in your life. The second T is talent. You have got some talents. And and, and I want to know where is God when it comes to your talents. You have something to offer. Some of you have never heard that before, but you have something to offer. And I didn't know years ago what my gift was. I didn't know what I had to offer God. And we learn this in next steps. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts. I'm so thankful that God has gifted us all differently. Like he's given each of us a gift. It says according to the grace given to each of us, which means we didn't earn it. We didn't, we didn't develop it. Like it was just given to us. And there are certain things that we do that are easy for us that are difficult for others. That's your gift. And honestly, I couldn't figure my gift out at first. I, 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 I thought, well, I, I love to learn, so I should be in academia. The problem is, is that I, I'm a terrible student. Like, I love learning. I just don't like it when other t- people tell me I have to learn something. So, like, I, was, I, I failed miserably at school. And so, so I, I love Jesus. So I thought, you know what? I love worship. Do so you know what I'll do? I'll become a worship leader. I'll lead worship. Anybody ever sing in the shower and think, man, I sound amazing? That's, that's me right there. I was like, I, I'm such a great vocalist. And then I had some good friends come around me and say, no, 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 TJ, you're tone deaf. <laughs> and so I, I realized that wasn't my gift. And so I thought, well, if I can't sing it, I'll write it. And so I bought a guitar. They actually, my parents actually bought it for me for Christmas. And I started learning how to play the guitar. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna write worship songs for Jesus. The problem is, is that Jesus didn't even like my worship songs. <laughs> like they were so bad. But eventually I found my gift and I'm up here operating in my gift today in a way that glorifies God. 
And let's be honest, if I were to ask some of you to come operate in this gift, you would freak out and be overwhelmed to speak five services to thousands of people. You would poop your pants. Why? Because it's not your gift, and that's okay. But you have a gift. In fact, there's a girl named Andrea. Maybe some of you guys have seen her before. She's got a gift. Like, she opens up her mouth, and, like, all this noise comes out. Like, she sings, and the presence of God fills this place. I sing, and it leaves. I think about Nadia, she, she serves in Coastal Kids at our Lighthouse Point location, man. This girl, she loves the next generation. She's teaching children, she's loving kids, she's teaching them to worship. Like, she is a gift, she, like, she has found her gift and is maximizing it. I promise you, the reason we have the best kids ministry in South Florida is because people like Nadia have found their gift. You are so thankful that your pastor is not teaching your kids in children's ministry, because you'd walk back and you'd find your kid duct taped to a chair being fed Skittles and Mountain Dew. They'd be energized, but they would have been abused, something like that, I don't know. Why? Because that's not my gift. And part of your legacy is figuring out what is your gift and how do I use my gift for something bigger than me? Like, how do I make my life not just successful, but significant. How do I use it for God's kingdom? Here's a practical application, write it down in your notes. Serve a purpose bigger than yourself. Find something that is bigger than you. And I think there's nothing like the local church. You're serving a purpose bigger than yourself. And you have a gift you need to utilize your gift for the glory of God. Like, I love talking to business people. I believe that if God has given you the talent of making money, then he's also given you the talent of giving money away. Because he didn't give you all of that so you can just consume it all for yourself. So, so you have a talent to make money, make it. Because guess what? I have a talent to spend money for eternal purposes. And we can work together to make a difference for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Mm -hmm. So figure it out, what is your talent that God has given you? If you don't know what that is, go to Next Steps and we'll help you figure that out. Yep. Think it's important for you to figure that out and we wanna be a, a, a help in that for your life. The third T is this, is treasure. Treasure. In other words, how are you spending your money? And listen, money is not bad, by the way. There is this whole teaching out there that money is bad and, and, and money is the devil and it's weird. Because it, 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 they think that if you're, the poorer you are, the holier you are. The problem is, is that kind of theology is nowhere found in scripture. It, it, it's totally jacked up and, and they find self-righteousness in being poor, but that isn't actually how God called us to live. I actually don't think money is bad at all. I, I, I saw this little sign recently, I wanna show it to you. It says, maybe money doesn't buy happiness, but I'm accepting donations to test that theory. <laughs> Anybody else wanna test that theory with me? You know, like, come on. Here's what you need to understand. Money is not bad and money is not good. What money is, is it's an indicator. Matthew chapter six, verse 21, and it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what that means is, 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 is where this stuff is, this follows it. So if this comes over here, 
Have you noticed wherever this goes, I seem to follow. So if you invest this at St. Arbucks, <laughs> your heart's there every morning at 6.30. You invest this at Target, it's the French version. Your heart's there. You invest this in that car. You invest this in those children. This follows. So it's not good or it's bad. It's just where your heart is. So the question is, is what does God look like when it comes to this? Like, is he first in this in your life? Because if God's not in this, that means this hasn't followed. And so I want to give you, if I can have some, my team come back up here. Uh, some practical principles of scripture, and I know it's controversial for some people because they don't like talking about money, but Jesus talked about money a lot. And here's practical application. Give to God the first by tithing. If you don't know what tithing means, it, it, it means giving the first 10% to God. And what that is, is you are honoring God by putting him First in your life. In fact, the purpose of tithing is actually in Deuteronomy chapter 14. It says, the purpose of tithing is to what? Is to teach you to always put God first in your life. So this is super practical. Every time we give to God a percentage of our income, when we give it to him first, so the first thing that comes out of my account when I get paid is as I'm going, I want to honor you, God, with the first in my life, I'm putting him in the right place because I'm saying you're most important. And so what that means is that I'm not putting my mortgage company first. I'm not putting Amoco gas station first. I'm not putting Nordstrom first in my life. I'm putting God first. In fact, let, let me illustrate it like this. I, I've got an apple here. And Jennifer, I, I honor you. And so I'm gonna let you take a bite of this. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the biggest bite you can out of this apple. Can you do that for me? Come on, big bite. Great job. Oh yeah, that juicy, perfect, perfect. I know we just came out of COVID. This is great. Can you can you take a can you take a huge bite on that for me, Alpha? There we go. Oh, big bite, big bite. Oh yeah. Come on, Sam. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh wow. Okay, dropping some on the stage, Matt. Jr. Find your spot, pick your spot, pick your spot. Whoa, Phil, Phil. Oh, wow, that's, that's perfect. Um, so we got one little sliver here that's kind of left. I'm gonna let them zoom in on that so you can see that. Maybe, maybe they're gonna be able to do that. There it is, that's what's left. And so, so this is a really, really simple principle. So because I honored Jennifer the most out of this group, what did I do? I gave her the first opportunity to take a bite. Apparently, I didn't honor Phil very much because <laughs> he's at the end of the line. But here's what I know. When somebody comes over to be a guest at your house, when they're a person of honor, what do you do? You serve them first. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. 
And what's happening for a lot of us is we're putting God down here at the end of the line and we're, we're, we're taking care of everything else in life and we're getting down here to God and we're going, God, here's what I got left. Here, I, I, I stewarded my money really well. Here's what I have left for you. And we're wondering why we're not experiencing the blessings of God when we're giving God our leftovers. We're expecting our leftovers to get God to give us the best when he's going, no, 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 I, I have to be first to experience that in your life. You guys did great. Thank you very much. Come on, give it up for them. So you might not know how to do this, but let me tell you what, what the tithe looks like, where it comes from. It comes out of verse, in Malachi chapter three, verse 10, it says, God is saying this. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And everywhere in scripture, the word storehouse is, it's a place of worship. It's your local church here today. So if you're watching online or you're visiting from another church, don't tithe at this church. We're not your local church. If you call Coastal your home, if you're in Parkland Lighthouse Point watching online, you give here, you don't give other places. Because that's your storehouse. And, and it says, and, and, and that there may be food in my house. Why? Because God wants to use his local church to make an impact on the people around. He wants to see more people saved, more people set free, addictions broken, anxiety gone, freedom in people's lives. And then he says, test me in this. And I'll never forget it, 22 years old. Shayla and I had just been married for two years. We had acquired... $30,000 in credit card debt because nobody taught us about finances in life. We figured it out for ourselves. You, you spend more than you make, you end up in a lot of debt. And we're $30,000 in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to survive. And I remember a mentor of mine started talking to me about this scripture and saying, man, you need to put God first. You need to put God first in this aspect of your life. He's first in all these other areas, but he's nowhere to be found in your finances. And we, we took a step of faith. We're like, man, God, we're gonna test you because we can't afford to do this. And we started trust, trusting God with the tithe. And 20 plus years later, we're still trusting God with the tithe because we learned that 90% with God's blessing always goes further than 100% without his blessing. And some of you guys, you're struggling. You're going, I, I can't afford to do that. You can't afford not to. Start somewhere. Start with a percentage. Go, well, I can't afford 10%. Start with two. Say, God, I'm going to start somewhere. I'm going to give you the first bite. It might not be a whole bite, but I'm going to start somewhere. And I'm going I'm to start trusting you. And I promise you, as you start trusting God, as you start putting him in the first place, when God gets the best, here's what he does. He blesses the rest. Every single time. And he wants to bless your life. But it starts with you putting him first. It will be your legacy in life, because someday people are gonna talk about you. Someday people are gonna talk about me. And I hope people will say, man, TJ was a great communicator. TJ pastored one church and loved that church and loved the people that were a part of it and helped them grow in their relationship with God. I hope they say that TJ loved his wife passionately all the days of his life. I hope they say TJ was dashingly good looking. And humble, as my mom said on the front row. <laughs> but most of all, here's what I hope people say. He lived a God-centered and God-first life. I hope that that's my legacy. And I hope that that's your legacy. 
And some of you guys are fighting this idea. You're going, man, TJ, my time is valuable. My talent, I got to use that for me. My money, I earned that. And I would ask you this simple question. Is God first in your heart? See, first in your heart. Because if you get your heart right, then everything else works out. And if I'm honest, there's so many times I get this messed up in my life. Where there'll be seasons where I'll walk into a church service like this and the Holy Spirit will begin to deal with my heart that, man, my marriage has come first or my job as a pastor has come first or my love for golf has come first. And it's in those moments that I have to repent before God and say, God, I've gotten this out of order. Now I need to reorient and I need to reprioritize my life around what matters most he wants to be first in your life church would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place god i pray right now that you would speak to your people challenge them to put you first in every single aspect of their life god i'm sure that there's many of them that their life has gotten out of order when it comes to their time and maybe they aren't honoring you when it comes to the time. God, I pray that they would make serving you and following you a priority for their life. Maybe some of them that you haven't put him first when it comes to your talents, that, that you would realize that it isn't about just having success in life, but significance, living for something more than yourself and using your gift for a greater and higher purpose and that you would step out of your comfort zones and serve with some other people to make a difference in the community around us. For others of us, maybe it's, you're in your treasure. Maybe today would be the day that you would say, God, I'm going to step out into my financial world and I'm going to begin to trust you for the first time. And God, I pray that as they step out to trust you, whatever area it is, that as they make you the first and put you in the best spot, that God, you would bless the rest. But God, maybe there's a fourth group of people here and maybe you're here and you've never put God first in your life at all. Maybe you never realized that there is a God that wants to know you and he loved you so much that while you're still in the middle of the mess that you're in here today, he said, I've got a way that changes everything for everybody. And he sent his son Jesus to this earth to live a perfect life, the life that you and I could not attain and to die a sinner's death, the death that you and I deserve. And he died and he rose three days later so that we could experience life a life with God, a life knowing God, a life walking with God, and so that we can experience, and it says, a life more abundantly. And maybe you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. It says, if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And maybe you need to make that decision. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether in Lighthouse Point or right here, if that's you, if you slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. Yes, I see you over there. Thank you. Yes, back there too. Yes, three, four. Anybody else? Don't miss your moment. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as we prayed out loud, five, I saw you over there. Thank you, ma'am. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way where there was no way through your son, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. I commit to following, following you and putting you in the first place in my life, all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.